Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Ole Miss is off to a flying start this season with ambitions to contend in the competitive Southeastern Conference and to, of course, reach the NCAA tournament. How will Coach Davis respond? Tune in to learn more about Coach Kermit Davis. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As an all-in-one youth sports management app, TeamSnap helps take the stress out of coaching, letting you spend more time with your team and less time organizing. As a coach, I love to track the real-time RSVPs, which lets me prepare for each training session, and I love to post scouting reports and discussion topics. As a parent, I appreciate being able to sync my kids' schedules directly into my calendar and use the Team Chat feature for timely updates on where to meet and park. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. Four decades. That's how long Kermit Davis has been coaching basketball. So he's certainly enjoying the brilliant start to Ole Miss season thus far, but he's sure to keep his cool because he's experienced lots of highs and lows throughout his career. In part two of our talk, Coach Kermit Davis and I are going to discuss one of his masterpieces, leading a team to a major upset in the NCAA tournament, what advice he has for young coaches, and his message to parents and young athletes. You're not going to want to miss this, so let's get to it. started your career you know you you worked your way up you had several different milestones and things but what did you learn in Idaho and Middle Tennessee State? Idaho was the greatest well I guess my first junior college job I was 24 as the youngest coach in the country at 24 and I got to make a lot of mistakes you know as a young coach but nobody really saw them as far as coaching your team I mean, we, we improved the team and won games and all that kind of stuff but it was great and I worked for Tim Floyd my wife looked at me like you got to be kidding me we're going to Moscow Idaho and I said I that's said, love that's yeah. love right there 40 year anniversary coming up you know that she loves you following yeah. you to Moscow Idaho Yes, I'm telling you. And and we went there by ourselves and just moved there and had the greatest. We stayed there for four years, two as an assistant, two as a head coach, met some of the most wonderful people that was on the basketball staff. Foot me think about, and this is getting off track a little bit, but so we go to Moscow, Idaho, and Tim Floyd's the head coach, became the coach for the Bulls. Larry Stacy was the other coach, became the head coach of Iowa State. Randy Bennett was our GA. It was wow. now Aries. I was the other assistant. Football staff, Scott Linehan became an NFL pro coach. Tom Cable became NFL pro coach. Ed Donatelle is now the defensive coordinator with the Vikings. I mean, it's just AD. It just goes on and on and on. I mean, just and we're just sitting here as these young guys with one-year contracts, making no money, having the time of our life, and never thought about winning games, really. We're just trying to recruit and work. And it's just how it's changed so much. But in this one little town, Gosh, just the amount of people that were around every day was remarkable. We had a great time. That sounds incredible. You had a chance to come to Ole Miss to be the coach. I mean, how special is that to come back closer to home? Right. Uh, It was just a dream come true, Sean. I mean, I grew up in this state. 
but I hadn't lived in this state. I have such a great affinity for the state of Mississippi and the people and the culture. So to be able, when Ross Bjork, Keith Carter offered me the job, President Vitter, Chancellor Vitter, it was just to come back to this state, to coach in the SEC as a head coach, 45 minutes from all of my family, my brother, my sister, my daughter, dad, and mother. So it really is. It's just been an unbelievable way for me to end my coaching career, you know, and this is going to be my last stop. We're going to try to get to a Final Four and win SEC championships. And just, I love it here. I love the people here. Ole Miss is a special place. And so it really has. It's been it's been a lot of fun, some growing pains and trying to get it going through COVID, some injuries and different things, but feel really good about where we are right now. Coach, when you were at Middle Tennessee State, you guys in 2015 took down a perennial Final Four favorite in Michigan State. How do you prepare your team to face such a mighty opponent like that? Yeah, and that team didn't win our – we won a lot of conference regular season championships, and that team, I think, finished second, and we won the tournament. And, I mean, Tom's team, everybody thought was going to win the national championship, had the player of the year in Valentine. And, you know, we're in St. Louis. And, you know, we did. We, we didn't do any contact for six days leading up. We, we did hard speed cutting, but we had a couple of injuries. And we just said, we want everybody healthy. Everybody's going to be in this moment. And like a lot of those NCAA tournament games, we, we made the analogy about shirts and skins. I, I preached it all week. I said, guys, you know, you see Michigan State. You've seen them on TV, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but what if you're in a park in, in Nashville? And there was just some cats around the park, and you're just going to play shirts and skins. Nobody knows who's who, and nobody ever thinks you're going to lose a pickup game. You know, we've all been there, right, Sean? We've all been there. <laughs> of course not. No matter who you're playing against. And I said, that's what we're doing, a shirt and skins game. And we kind of sold it, and they really bought into it. And a lot of these great upsets, I think you got to get off to great starts, and we did, like 15 to 2. And then all of a sudden, the arena, there were 16,000 people pulling from Middle Tennessee. It was our home game. You know, you know those upsets. <laughs> Ain't a great crowd. There's probably a couple thousand of them. And then all of a sudden it's a home game. And we just played an unbelievable game. And then Michigan State played good. I mean, they we just played. And so yeah, it was a great moment. Probably the most proud moment to see how proud everybody was that was affiliated, associated with Middle Tennessee. That is awesome. And I love that Coach Izzo afterwards he said, We got beat by a better team today. They were well coached and they ran good stuff. They just beat us. So he didn't make excuses, right, coach? No, well, that's, you know, it's who he is. I mean, he's yeah. as classy a guy that's ever been in college basketball. I mean, just coaches his team hard, has great relationships with all of his players. His values are off the chart. And just, I mean, I was such a big fan before we played, you know, and became even more of a fan just to watch his team and how they prepare and all the different things. So, yeah, he couldn't have been more gracious. But you know what? It's just kind of what we come to expect from a guy like Tom. Yeah. Then you're preparing for another big game and you got a film session and your senior guard, Perrin Buford, shows up a minute late. What did you do and why? It's funny you say that. Guys, that's amazing you found that out. That's crazy because I did it. <laughs> One of my former players was here, played for us in our last championship team in middle before I took the old Miss job, Nick King. And he goes, Coach, we were 16 and two. Remember, we got ranked in our first game. In Frisco at the conference tournament, a guy named Brandon Walters, who I love to death, love him, came in 30 seconds late for breakfast, and I didn't start him. They kind of screwed old Brandon up, and we got beat. We got upset. But Perrin Buford, who I love, is playing his tail off in Japan. 
came in about 45 seconds or a minute late for a film session and I didn't start it and nobody got surprised by it. It was just kind of, you know, well, who we were and, you know, that's just what we've always done. And, and Perrin took it great. We just got beat that night by a better team, better coach team. I mean, Syracuse played unbelievable. We ended up going to the Final Four that year. was on a, a tear like Jim's team will do in March sometimes. And, yeah, that's just kind of the standard that we are, Sean, and we're never going to deviate. You know, a guy asked me the other day on a podcast, what would you recommend for a young coach? I said, well, relationship with your best player coach from the hardest and touch the lines. He said, touch the lines. I said, yeah, just touch the lines all the time. And are they touching the lines in February? Are they going to touch them only in your first practice? Are they going to touch the line when other coaches there? Or when everything gets really, really hard, is your best player going to touch the lines? And so it's real simple. That's kind of always brought back to me. It was kind of touching the lines, being 30 seconds late for a meeting. And accountability, right? I mean, that's something that today it's so hard to really teach people about the importance of being accountable. For your own actions, you're right parents being able to absorb that too, you know, like I'm sure you see in Little League, you know, and your total topic of youth sport. It's just sickening to see sometimes when you watch AAU coaches and there's some great AAU coaches or family members in the stands, you know, or you call a recruit and everybody's going crazy over a number of shots or he didn't this or, you know, it's driving everybody crazy right now, I think is the comparisons on social media is driving. And I think mental health is such a big issue. College athletics right now, Sean, the comparison narrative on social media that Sean and I played the same game. I scored 26 against Sean, but you know what? Sean signed at Duke and I ended up at Western Michigan. No offense to anybody, you know, but the comparisons that there's so much of it, it'll drive you, I think, where people get so obsessed with it. So yeah, the, the youthful lessons that you learn are amazing in this day and time. That's really, really good perspective, coach. I'm asking this selfishly as a rookie varsity coach myself this season and really just been focused on trying to create a culture and setting expectations, which I know things are important to you. But what else is important as you're really starting to establish something? Because you've done that multiple times. What are some of those really important things that you really focus on when you're at a new place? Well, you know what? I think it's trying to evolve every single year. I'm trying to do so much better job this year with patience, more positive reinforcement. You know, I'm visiting with a guy three or four times a week, Brett Ledbetter from what's, you know, what drives winning. And Brett and I have a ton of discussions with our team. Try, you know, we talk about standards, but whether you're coaching your team, Sean or me, we are the standard, you know, and temperament. I bet you've got an unbelievable temperament with your, you know, young kids that you coach. Probably Brad Stevens, a guy like him, is kind of the pinnacle of our profession that Brad, you know, can still have his team play with such toughness, but his demeanor is that way. And so the biggest thing right now is this staying current. We say it all the time. I'm 62, but the players we coach are always 17 to 20 years old. And, and we hear it all the time, but it's the truth. And staying current on social media, if they don't answer your phone call, it's not because they don't want to come to Ole Miss. But then when you text them and send them videos, boom, they like it. And you get all your response. And I mean, so you've got to evolve. Nick Saban. I mean, he just he's involved offensively. He's involved, I'm sure, you know, with different things that you try to do. So I think a lot of it is trying to stay current and understanding that you are the standard that everybody's looking at every day. What's one message you have for youth sports parents today? 
gosh, value the time that people are spending with your child. He's not going to be perfect. Heck, I get paid a lot of money and I'm dang sure not perfect at this level. Been doing it my whole life, but really value the time that they are spending with them. I wouldn't make decisions on the number of shots, but I try to make decisions with my child on the kids that they're around all the time in their organization. That would be the most important thing for me. And, you know, I tried to quit football in the eighth grade. God, I did. I wanted to be the quarterback. Shawnee put me on the line. Okay. And so I was upset. My dad would not let me quit. Greatest lesson ever. He said, now after the eighth grade, you don't want to play anymore. You don't have to. And I didn't. But sticking with it, just sticking Mm -hmm. with it. But I think the appreciation of adults that are doing it for no money, spending time with your children. Gosh, I think that's the most undervalued thing that I see in coaching right now. Yeah, that's one of the things when people come to me with their frustrations about where their kids are at and what the program and the talent level and all that. And I say, hey, don't worry about the wins. Don't worry about the titles. Don't worry about the uniforms. Focus on who is coaching your child, right? I mean, it's so important for what you're saying in terms of that influence that coaches have on these young people. And the word I use is steward, right? Because we are stewards, you know, I'm leading the team, but I'm a steward of these young people. Coach, I know you have a big heart. What's one way in which you try to help and serve others? You know, I think the time that you take every single person you come in contact with, we made the illustration with my dad. My wife and I have done a lot of things, you know, and we try to do more for, you know, Down syndrome families. And I love my wife and I love being sounding boards for newly couples that are maybe have children born with Downs. You know, I mean, just to to be able to give them illustrations of Alley, you know, and show what can happen. I do the one of the coolest event. I stole it from Bo Ryan. Make Kermit pay coaches versus cancer. And we're having it in October. And as for the students, the greatest thing I've done as far as raising money for cancer here locally in our state and every student that comes to the arena, I pay a dollar. If they make a free throw, I pay $10. If they make a half court shot, I should say, I, Betty and I pay $500. And so we'll have you know, over a thousand students and they show up. We have the best time. We raise money. And right now, the other lad, I think a year ago, the student shot, I think, 130 for over a thousand. So there were 13 percent free throw shooters. So we got to get them working on there. But they <laughs> made 15 half court shots. You know, so what? my wife, they're going, miss it. Miss it. So, <laughs> but, but it is, we write, we write a great check every year. So that's a cool thing that we try to give back and do something with students. And hopefully a lot of them are good at it already, but maybe teaching them the philanthropy part at Ole Miss. What's one message you would have for young kids who look up to you and who maybe someday want to play for you? You know, I could tell my guys all the time, you're not competing with the guys in the gym every day. You're competing against college basketball. Then you compete against the world. I mean, it depends on what level that you do want to play. But just the whole thing, everything is possible. It is. It's based on work and doing all the different things when nobody's watching. But you got to pick something that you really, really love. You know, I think the biggest thing now for young people, like it is, is just get yourself doing something healthy daily all the time. I mean, it really is. Speaking to the choir right here, speak to myself at 62, you know, and I don't know if it's really one thing. I just, I got, I think it's the most fun, I guess, when you see young kids that really are falling in love with sports and really enjoy the competitive side of it. Fortunate to have guys like you coach young teams. I mean, I think those are the most important things. Well, Coach Kermit Davis Jr., I had a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Well, great questions. You got me thinking about some other things besides my team, which was great. I enjoyed that, Sean. 
Before I close, I want to share something special. My presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, and my video series, Model Student Athlete, are thrilled to present our first Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches in youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student-athletes. And our first honoree is Ryan Duber, the Director of Goalkeeping for MSYSA Olympic Development Program in Maryland. A teacher, Ryan played at Hood College and he says he's inspired to coach because it's his way to give back to a sport that's provided him so many opportunities. Congratulations, Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com, and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to must-have app in youth sports. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.